0: I'm Jamie Dew, and this is A Show of Strength. Hey, it's Jamie here, and welcome to A Show of Strength. I want to apologize that we didn't release an episode last month, but here we are, it's September, and we're going live once again. You know, when I think about launching this podcast, it started out as a show called A Show of Strength. And in the meantime, it's become a lot of different things. It's become almost a rapper that contains a lot of other shows, Crazy Eights, The Daily Grind, Songs of Strength. But the core of what I do is still encourage courage. A Show of Strength is about the choices that I've made, the people that I've met, and the stories that I've heard along the way. One of those stories I heard comes from today's guest, Mike Payne. He is a Toronto comedian and producer and all-around nice guy. He just celebrated 10 years of being sober, and I want to congratulate him on that accomplishment. And I want to commend him for the courage that he had to sit with me and share his story. Before we jump into that conversation that I had with Mike, I'd like to thank one of our main sponsors, Try Thai Tonight. Ready for the party on Saturday? <sighs> I really don't want to cook for our entire group of friends again. Why don't we order in? Oh, great idea. I could really go for some pizza. How about Thai food? Let's bring a taste of Thailand right to us with Try Thai Tonight. Um, Okay. Try Thai Tonight offers an exotic four-course Thai dinner prepared right in our own kitchen by Chef Jean from Thailand. You mean an authentic Thai chef? Chef Jean cooks up some of the most authentic and delicious Thai food available in southern Ontario. She even offers cooking demonstrations for those eager to release their inner chef. How do you know all of this? Chef Jean is all over Facebook. We can book right now by visiting her website at TryThaiTonight.com and bring the taste of Thailand right into our kitchen.
1: So that's a no for pizza. Experience the exotic and delectable flavors of Thai cuisine with Try Thai Tonight. With in-home dining, cooking demonstrations, and catering options available, visit TryThaiTonight.com to book your next
0: mouth-watering meal. And now, without further ado, let's go to Mike Payne. Struggle, like what is the question to ask? But, like, when for you did you realize that something was going on that might not be optimal for you?
1: Well, I don't know.
0: That's a tough one.
1: I um, I've been in therapy on and off since I was eight.
0: Oh wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. The, uh, divorce. First divorce in my family. So my my mom and dad split when I was eight and so they put me in therapy um with this sweet old guy who's unfortunately deceased now but uh he was pretty old at the time anyway and i'm 37 now so you can imagine he would be like 100. um yeah this guy tom o'sullivan and my first experience with therapy was i guess what i needed at the time and that was a friend he was really a friend he he uh, bought me birthday presents and and Christmas presents. As inappropriate as that may sound to somebody listening, it was exactly what I needed. I got Ninja Turtles from him and pound puppies and stuff like that. And he was just really kind to me and he just listened. And it was it was uh, it was really good. But I guess that was um, it's kind of an aside. That was when I knew something was different about me. I was kind of in crisis because of what had what had been going on. Because when I when that divorce happened, a couple things happened. First of all, my mom was an abusive alcoholic when I, was, when I was little. And so she got clean. The divorce happened. And she came out all at once. Oh, wow. So my okay. mom, yeah, my mom came out. And the coming out part was actually not difficult for me when I was eight years old. But what happened in response to some of that, and, and just coincidentally as well, is that my dad, uh, so my mom left for a bit. Dad had to single parent, and he got promoted at work. Um And so he had to work more. Which meant less of him. Less of him. So it was like losing both parents at the same time to a certain degree. You know, and some may argue, oh, well, at least you had parents, and at least Dad had more money to be able to do what he did. But emotionally, you can't really buy your way <laughs> out of the damage that can happen there.
0: No, I mean...
1: Yeah. And so that's when I started eating so that was when that was my first experience with addiction was um to cope with the feelings of mania uh that came out of that I just ate a lot oh another thing to add to that too is when I was a kid I had really terrible asthma and back in the 80s there were no um life-saving steroid drugs or anything like that it was just it was just uh so Ventolin is very familiar for a lot of people I'm sure you um, put the mask
0: so, on and breathe in that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I had to be on a mask machine.
1: twice a day. Yeah. And then I had to be on an overdose of the puffer pretty much all the time. Right. So my motions were just crazy anyway. Like they were just yeah. all over the place. I hate using the, the C word crazy, but um, I felt crazy. I felt manic all the time. And it was really hard for my parents to cope with that. So that that's just kind of the the, the soup or the stew of what was happening at that's that a lot. point. Yeah, it was a lot of stuff. Um. And I had a really hard time making, you know, making and keeping friends. Like I could make friends with the the new kid at school, but then within like three weeks, he'd have figured it out, and that I wasn't one of the cool kids, and he'd go be with the cool kids or whatever, you know. So I never really felt like I fit in, and which is
0: absolutely yeah. brutal. Yeah, it was rough. You know, especially being young right like going through that as a youngster you just Mm -hmm. can't quite figure it out the same way Mm -hmm. and that was just one layer
1: yeah that's kind of the initial I guess layer of the onion and then um, oh man so my dad (laughs) this is really screwed up so um, my dad started dating my mom's sponsor from AA like oh wow! very okay. shortly after some really bad boundaries right there and they got married when I was 10 my initial response great I'm gaining a mom figure in my life that's cool I'll get a little, another little brother because she came with um, excuse me my um, I guess now ex Um and then they had a kid together so which is were, a
0: bizarre concept yeah that you can have a stepbrother and then
1: and then he's not a stepbrother anymore
0: right yeah It's a
1: temporary sibling.
0: Yeah. It's
1: bizarre. Um, But also she was very abusive in some, like very emotionally manipulative and. Christ. um, Yeah. And, and she did something to me uh, when I was 13 that I don't, that it took me until I was like 18 to admit to anybody out out loud. And then that, that was, she sexually abused me. And so it's just like layers and layers and layers of things happening all within a relatively short period of time. So when I was 14, I started doing drugs, you know, like, what are you, what are you going to do? Like I, I,
0: the food wasn't, the food wasn't,
1: no, I wasn't doing it, man. No, it wasn't doing it. And I was fat and I felt like I was ugly and terrible. And so, you know, I went to Central Tech and did the art program, which was great. Um,
0: Where's that? Where's is that? In the Tobacco?
1: No, you're thinking of ESA. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. the Topical School. Yes. No, this is uh, Bathurst and Bloor area, or it's actually Bathurst and Harvard, so it's just down a little bit.
0: Maybe get some room there. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so that happened. They got divorced when I was about 13. I went to school. The drug stuff started. My dad came out. So my wow. dad also um, uh, came forward and, and told everybody... Uh, that was hard for me, partly because I was losing my, I guess, role model of sexuality. Because so like when you're fourteen, you know, you're like ah, you know, yeah, Son, let's jerk off all the time, um, and then also he told me last. So he he'd come out to everyone else, and I think it's because he knew it was going to be difficult with me, and so I felt I don't know betrayed by that, I guess, because I was the oldest child and of of three at this point. Because my youngest brother, um, ten years younger than me, born with, born of my dad and my step, ex stepmother. Right, right. Um. But uh, I didn't mention this earlier. I also have a brother who's two and a half years younger that looks like my twin. Wow. Um, yeah. Now. We didn't look like twins at the time, but we've gradually gotten fatter and converged. <laughs> we Do we look... People think we're twins if they see us on the street, but we're not. I am two and a half years old, older than him, and he looks a little bit older than me. But... Um, well, that's a win. Yeah. Definitely won that <laughs> one.
0: <laughs> you take them where you can sometimes, I, Yeah, right?
1: that's it. That's it. Um,
0: I mean, unless you want to look older, I suppose, but...
1: Well, when you're that age, you do.
0: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So I mean, again, all of this is if you're comfortable, but like tell me a little bit more about like what the what the what the drug situation was like. Like
1: Well, I mean, initially it was, you know, I smoked a lot of weed and then um <laughs> I liked the attention I would get at parties because I would smoke and I would drink a little bit and then I would pass out and do weird stuff. Like I'd fall off beds and fall off chairs and, and
0: while um, you were out, while you were passed out.
1: Yeah, pretty much like I would, okay. I would, I wouldn't black out. I would just like the combination of, of the two always made me fall asleep. Gotcha. But, um, just people's reaction to that, like attention in
0: general, something that you had yeah, missed
1: something I'd missed entirely. And so, you know, even, The guy who took off his boot and spanked my ass with his boot while I was half asleep, you know, that was still attention. Right. So something, right? So I got a lot of attention through that, so I did more of that. And uh, then I remember... I remember I I just never did well in school except in the art subjects, and even then I just wouldn't complete projects on time because of depression. Drugs, good way to mute the depression
0: and did it work
1: yeah it did for a while and then it stopped and so i started trying different drugs
0: yikes so as you were getting old as you were getting older
1: yeah so high school was all it was tough and then i remember in at the end of grade 11 I did this presentation. It was is for one. It was for life drawing, and um, I drew on this gray paper this very overweight woman in a fetal position. And I had to do this presentation, and you were supposed to have a story about this person, so I made it up on the spot, and I made it about me. I said this is actually the embodiment of me, and uh, how depressed I feel all the time, and and uh, I basically called out the whole class for treating me like crap. And I got a standing ovation.
0: Wow. At the end
1: of it. And I came back the next year and I didn't give a crap. Um, the drugs helped with that. But I I didn't I I started cracking jokes and I started talking over teachers and, and kind of misbehaving. And I was getting positive attention that way because I was making people laugh. And uh I started using heavier drugs. So like I started getting into ecstasy and I started getting into just a little bit of Coke.
0: The timing was right for ecstasy in you age wise as yeah, well, right? Yeah, like that was a big, I was huge. Yeah. 1998. Yeah. Yeah.
1: 98, um, through 2001, I did a lot of, a lot of E, uh, in 2001, I did 40 E's in a week and I like lost 15 pounds and, um, And
0: what, like, like, Obviously you shouldn't do any but like what should you like what would be what would be more typical
1: I mean if you consider one pill is a dose right okay. so it's it's that was so a lot 7 would be a
0: lot 7 a, is a, a week, lot week. but a I did 40
1: in a week so it was Jesus. yeah it was a lot lot and uh and that was, was just, just, I was just trying to maintain the high I was just trying to stay that's what just gonna high mean, yeah. because you just love everything and that's what I'd been missing and I I didn't know what that felt that felt like it really for the most part
0: cuz that's what that drug does right it makes you experience yeah the euphoria of
1: love or right. infatuation if you want uh, pretty much with everything um, but also they cut it with a whole bunch of other stuff so you're experiencing a little bit of meth high a little bit of this high a little bit of that high and yeah. and um, I just remember at the end of that week um, I got rejected by a girl and I couldn't take it and so um, I called my mom and I said, "Mom, I'm gonna kill myself and uh she said, "Where are you?" And I told her she came and picked me up at like three in the morning, and then we're driving back across the city and we're going we're on the gardener and i'm I'm just feeling so much rage. I'm just throwing myself around the car and I'm smashing my fists off the dashboard, and I go to open the door and throw myself into the street and I stopped. I don't know what stopped me really. His mom was like saying things, but I don't remember what was going on or what she was saying. And so, um, she took me to where I was staying at the time, which was my dad's house. My dad's, my, my childhood home was being sold. It was being prepared to be sold. And so I was staying there and it was very vacant, which is kind of a a metaphor for, I guess, parts of my childhood. Um, and so I ran inside and I locked the door and I went and huddled in the back, um, by the back deck. There was a, just a, an enclosed area. Um, and I heard my mom come in, she unlocked it cause she had a key of her own. She came in and she was looking for me and I didn't say anything and she called the police and the police came and they looked for me and they found me. And uh, I got up, and I was a lot taller than, than the two police officers that were there. Uh, and so I think they felt intimidated. This could just be my perception because I was totally just coming off drugs. I don't know. This is just my memory. Um, and so they said, they kind of took a step back, and they said, okay, we're going to handcuff you, but we're going to call an ambulance, and we're going to have you taken to the hospital. Um. And so... It's the only time I've ever been handcuffed. Um, That's frightening. Yeah, it's, it's it's terrifying. So I was taken outside this. When the ambulance arrived, I was taken outside, and they cuffed me to the ambulance so I couldn't throw myself out of it. And I went to the hospital, and I was on, I think it was called Form 1. It's like yeah. 72 hours of observation.
0: That's the form, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, at Toronto East General. Okay. I don't know if you've ever been... In a mental ward at a hospital,
0: A couple or, times, three, times. Yeah, farms, a, three uh, times. yeah, it's not a it's not
1: very conducive place with mental health. I don't
0: think. No, I would. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. They've got a way to. I think got it's a ways to go, especially when a, you don't want to be there. And on a form, typically, you, you know, at the beginning anyway, you don't want to be there.
1: Yeah. Well, when I got there, I was still throwing myself around, you know, throw myself around the room. I, I threatened to kill myself with the phone cord and pens and whatever else was in there. So they took it all away and they got me a sitter. And the sitter sat. <laughs> he, he sat in the doorway and just and watched me and did crosswords. And he's or, just, there and just there to... Just there sure to make sure you're sure not going to that- hurt yourself. And they gave me some Ativan to help with... The anxiety and help me sleep, and I slept. And then the next morning, I started working out. I uh, got on the floor and I did push-ups and I did
0: sit-ups, and I was starting to feel better. Were you Were you still like high when when you got there? Or no, you it you were was the down?
1: so I I when I called my mom, I was come I was down. Okay, gotcha. That's that. Yeah, that was. Okay. Just to clarify, I was down, and when you come off of ecstasy, you're you're basically out of serotonin, and so, yeah, everything's the worst. So you just it's the opposite of the high, right? And when you do that much, I mean, my fear at the time was that I'd end up with serotonin syndrome, which is when you just can't produce your own anymore. Wow, I've, 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 it happens. I've never, I mean, it happens. Yeah. yeah, to people. Holy fuck! I'm just very lucky that that didn't happen to me. Um and so I basically swore that I'd never do it again. Uh, they let me out in 48 hours because of good behavior and the promise that I'd go into a youth shelter. My dad would not let me live in the house anymore. Mom wouldn't take me back because um, she was afraid because of all the behavior she'd witnessed. And so I went and lived at Touchstone, which is now called something else. It's on paper. Um, briefly, I was there for like a week and then I went and lived at Covenant House for another week. Um, and those are terrifying places. Like, they're not men's shelters. I don't know if you've ever been no. to a shelter. No. But men's shelters are pretty scary. Um, but they, you know, they're full of kids who are unwanted. Um, and I don't like to compare pain, but, you know, kids who've never had parents. they come out of the foster care um, system and ended up, in the youth shelter system and just full of dysfunction. It's just awful. Um, I got threatened by one kid because he thought I was puffing my chest up to threaten him. I just have a big chest. <laughs> I can't help that. Gee, it's just, uh, yes. it's my an-
0: anatomy, but there's like almost like a, like a cast type type system there. Like, a
1: I guess sort of, I didn't, I couldn't identify an alpha male in the whole thing, right. but it was, it, there was definitely, um, I felt threatened. Uh, someone stole my my discman, which, if any people born in the year two thousand are listening to this, a discman is a portable music playing device that you used to put these things called
0: CDs into. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and I'm going to guess that if you were like me, that was like your life like listening. it was like
1: brand new too it was something Fuck. i got for my birthday and yeah it was uh it was not cool so that that was stolen um it's just a
0: past time you know what i mean like for sure yeah for sure
1: it was valuable you know yeah um
0: so you were in a this you were in a tough place yeah
1: at this point i was it was in a very tough place
0: what were you thinking Michael, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <sighs> I just wasn't. I was just trying not to. I,
0: I, I don't mean it in the sense. I don't mean it in that sense. No, I, I know mean you're it. like, I just, like, what the fuck was going through your mind? Because y- you life... I just wanted to die. You were still that. You were still Yeah, to a certain extent. Way.
1: I mean, I, I didn't have the nerve to do it um, at that point. I didn't have the nerve to really end it. And so I started just trying to find, I guess the light at the end of the tunnel and that girl who rejected me, um, she'd found out about all of everything that had gone on. And so I, I went and saw her and we ended up getting together. Um, it's one of the most dysfunctional (laughs) relationships of my adult life. Um, we moved in together like two weeks into being together. Oh goodness! So that's how I got out of the youth shelter system. So there's the light at the end of the tunnel, I guess. Um, and we were both on uh, OW, which is uh, Ontario Works or welfare, I guess, and for the layperson. Um, we lived in a basement apartment that was six feet high. Um.
0: And you guys can't do this, but Mike's six foot tall. Like,
1: Yeah, I'm six feet tall. Yeah, so I was so. skimming my head on the, on the ceiling.
0: Not a... Uh, no.
1: The fun thing that happened there was I played a lot of Halo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I never got into video games at all. That, that was but, like the big video game at the time. But I guess, you know, the, the good news is, is you get to sit down when you play video games because I visualize... What I visualize, you in this apartment, you know. Again, you were talking about the empty house being, you know, analogous to, um, or that that vacancy that you felt. And, and now I picture yourself. You're in this basement, and the fucking roof is closing in on you. Yeah, you know, pushing down on you.
1: Literally, yeah. It was stucco. It was that popcorny ceiling too. Yeah. It didn't feel very good. Um, that's and be, I was with somebody who was very erratic
0: so challenging
1: it was but it was what we could afford right No, well, of course but even yeah. if you
0: were in a great frame of mind no that's got to be tough and you well, i just in smoked a, a lot of, of
1: weed mind. through that like okay. i smoked a ton of weed and i played a lot of halo and didn't do much else i didn't look for a job um i i didn't feel able and so and neither did she
0: did you know at that point that you were like depressed
1: yeah I'd say that I knew that I was depressed, but I also didn't feel motivated to get out of it. Like that's a big piece of depression right there is the inability to move.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of people,
1: this is frustrating for me, but a lot of people, um, feel like people are choosing to be in that state and it's not a choice, man. You know, it's just, it's the way things are due to factors and you know, body chemistry, brain yeah. chemistry—we're
0: learning more about it every day.
1: Every day, yeah. The um, good
0: news is, is the, the people listening to this—that's not them. No, um, I didn't think so. Yeah, the, the the people listening to this are people that, um, you know, I I think are support, supportive, and and uh, I like to say. Um, you know, our, our sort of hashtag, our sort of mantra is encourage courage. Mm-hmm. So people that haven't taken that step to get help or that know that there's help out there, that we're trying to encourage them to have the courage to take that step. So that's where that comes from. What, what was it for you that got you to the point where... Um, you you got some help or or got out of this situation? You said you were in an unhealthy relationship.
1: Yeah, it was. It, I went through kind of a series of un, unhealthy relationships, and uh, that connects with this because um, one of them was a friendship. Um, I was close friends with with someone who moved in with us briefly, and that relationship was gradually ending. Um. And so I moved out and in with this other person. Um, and then that got very...
0: As like a friend or... Yeah, as a friend. Okay, gotcha. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He was a, a, a good friend of mine at the time and um, his own mental health issues, ours were uh, compatible and then very not compatible. And so we ended up um, physically fighting. At one point I had to call the police and uh, it took them forty-five minutes to get there. When I'm, I've basically locked the door to my bedroom. He's hammering on the door to the, my, my bedroom, and forty-five minutes—like forty-five minutes—it's a That's long time to be in terror. Shitless, yeah, yeah. And he's a huge guy; like he was six foot four or something like that. I don't know. Christ, um, not not skinny either. Uh, and so I moved out from there. And in with this other friend who just, we'd just become friends, and then I got a job in collections through that friend. Talk about a job that's not conducive with mental health. My name is Mike Payne, so I was calling people as Mr. Payne calling for your bills. Oh my god. Yeah, it was great. Wow. Uh, I made a little bit of money, uh, and I bounced around between different agencies for... I don't know, about a year and a bit. Um, and that friendship slash, um, roommate situation also dissolved very, very quickly. Also ended up in a situation where I felt threatened, uh, physically by him and another one of his friends. And so I needed rescuing and I ended up, um, moving out. And and during all of this, I was still experimenting with drugs. Like I was, um, Weed was the mainstay, um, but I did a little bit of meth, and um, surprisingly, that was never that tempting for me. It's weird. There's like, there's that whole uh, idea that oh, do it once and you're hooked forever, sure. et cetera. For people, uh, I found coke and meth were not addictive for me. It was weird. Right. It was very strange. I mean, they felt great, but it was it was. Very strange, and I don't encourage anyone to, to try them at home, but it's, uh, it's just an odd observation about it. Uh, and then...
0: It didn't numb what you needed numbing anyway.
1: No, no. And eventually, I mean, I found, I found five vials of K at the Horseshoe Tavern on the ground. Oh, my God. And I did it in like three days by myself, and I ended up in the K hole and, and what's if the, anybody sorry, thinks what's the yeah it's, it's okay there's this big perception about the K-hole being that like seeing things through the dark tunnel so if you do a little bit of K it kind of pulls your viewport down further so it's almost like blackness going down to this viewport um, that's not the K-hole like, you think that literally you're in a hole the K-hole is when you do too much and you hallucinate a lot and what the K-hole for me looked like was it took all the emotionally traumatic events of my life and spread it out as a river in front of me with a grid work, almost like TVs. It was it was very strange. Oh, wow. And I was a fish that was delving in and out of these different memories
0: involuntarily. But you were like uh, high, uh, uh, hallucinating, but you were lucid. Like, I mean... You remember, I remember this you remember very vividly. Yeah,
1: I remember this very vividly. And I also remember coming to... And throwing up, like unbelievably, and never doing hard drugs again.
0: That was it. That That was was, it. That That was was that was
1: the end. Yeah.
0: It's interesting, just as an aside, because they're doing um, a lot of research uh, using ketamine to. I've heard of this to treat depression, and uh, I I don't quite understand how it works, but um, I passed on a trial. uh, Like I got invited to try. To do a trial and right. uh, it was like, no, nope, um, not for me. I'm just a little bit too nervous, too after school, especially, you know, like I, even though it would be, that's ridiculous of me. Like it just wasn't something I was I think it's, willing to do at the time. I think that's all right. You can yeah. do what you're comfortable with. Right? Yeah. So for you, that experience, that moment was like, holy shit, scared you straight or.
1: I think there's uh, elements that are scared, like scared straight, but I also never had the urge again. Gotcha. So I don't really know whether that chemically kind of cured me of that desire.
0: Interesting. Or not.
1: Yeah, it was, it was pretty odd.
0: And that's that's 10 years?
1: Uh, that, no. So that was 15 years ago. Okay. And then um, I continued to use a lot of weed and still drink and um combinations of the two and I ended up going through a series of other roommates I ended up living with a girl in in uh, Ottawa for three months or maybe even less I don't even remember um, uh, and then coming back here because I got kicked out and then I lived with a friend of mine who's back in BC now um, for about six months and he and I just did a drank a lot and smoked a lot of weed and in fact I smoked so much weed that I was, I had no money. And so we were living on slices of ham and bread and that was it. And so I was losing weight, even though I had the munchies cause I couldn't afford to buy more food. It was just oh my God. insanity. Uh, and so what happened was when he moved back to BC uh, we lost the apartment And, um, my mom gave me an ultimatum. She's like, I will help you out this last time. If you go into a program, if you do a 12 step program, um, otherwise you're going to have to go and live in a men's shelter and a men's shelter, as I said earlier, is a terrifying idea. Um, having experienced the youth shelter system and having had a friend in high school who worked in a men's shelter, I'd seen it and it's just not, Yeah. Felt like that was kind of a point of no return. If I ended up there, I just wasn't going to get out. So I went to Narcotics Anonymous and um, started to get clean entirely because it's a program of abstinence that deals with the disease of addiction. I know people feel weird about that idea of it being a disease, um, but the way that it's, it's preached in the program is that it's a, a spiritual and mental addiction, or a disease rather, um, not a necessarily a, a physical disease in the same sense. And then it's phrased that way so that it takes the focus off of blaming the victim, like blaming the addict. Um, and that's helpful. I mean, it really helps you get clean there's aspects of that program that are, that I think are negative as well. Um, but I don't think that that's like, if someone's listening to this right now and they're just trying to get clean, go, just go. It helped me a great deal. I've been clean for almost 10 years. As a result, I did relapse in the middle, uh, 21 months in, I had a drink with an ex-girlfriend, and that qualifies as a relapse. So I um, reset my clean date, confessed to my sponsor at the time, and have managed to stay clean since. And so my tenure is is from that date. Good for um, you. Like, good for you. Like, oh, I thanks, man. And,
0: and and what you what you don't know is that this is somebody who I met, you know, in the in the comedy world, mm-hmm. and the comedy world is all about the drink, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's, uh, so like, I mean, you are putting yourself out there every single night. Mm -hmm. Um, and the resolve that you, that you have, like, again, I think our first interaction was other than online, you know, was me handing you a drink ticket and you being like, no, I'm clean. And, uh, I'm being like, Oh, you can use this for For soda or anything. Sody paps. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You can use it for anything you'd like. Yeah, Yeah. Um, And again, I just remember thinking at that time, like, holy, holy Christ, this guy's, this guy's tough as balls. You know what I mean? Um, to be doing this and, uh, and to be clean is, uh, you know, a big achievement.
1: Well, thank you. Um. I'm vigilant within how wary I am. <laughs> of sure. It. I mean, I, I uh, one of the things that I think the program teaches is just never relax within it. You know, it's 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 a continuing fight. It's one day at a time, one moment at a time, depending. Uh, and I hope to apply that to weight loss because I am a fat fuck. You know, <laughs> this, I I'm just kidding. I uh, I am overweight though, and and I'm not comfortable with it. And that's it's it's almost like I've gone back to the core. You know the start of the addiction. You're eight years old again. Eight years old again. I'm trying to to get through that. Yeah, and that's truly insanely challenging. Um, so you're that ten year, you're
0: asking yourself a, uh, you know, you're asking a lot of yourself. Yeah, you know. Um, oh yeah. You know, you're. I've you done could.
1: therapy for a long time, and that helps a lot. But um, you can't. The difference between getting clean from drugs and alcohol and trying to um, heal a food addiction is that you can't abstain from food. Right, of course. You can abstain from types of food, but you're still eating.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So you can't use the same methodology completely. Um, It's interesting, though, that that 10 years um, within it I've burned a lot of bridges still, you know, um, I haven't in a while, but that's, it's a real process of healing and burned a lot of bridges, screwed a lot of stuff up. I've been an entrepreneur almost the whole time, Um, lived in a way that I think most people would like to, and that's, you know, working for yourself and, and being your own boss to a certain extent. However, there's a real danger in that, in and of itself. Because if I'm depressed and I don't have someone yelling at me to get up that's and right. go to
0: work. That's right. I don't go to work. I was just, yeah, I was thinking that. Like, yeah. Or if, you, if you, you don't have somebody to even touch base with, to go for a coffee with. Like yeah. To, to walk down to the coffee shop, you know, from the office. You know, you might, you might go a couple of days without speaking out loud.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Isolation. Video games helped me a lot for that, like through that particular piece. So I I have... um, That's interesting. I I have some friends that I've known for a decade that I've never met in person.
0: Wild.
1: Yeah. Um, So when I first got clean, the first time around, so this is almost like 12 years ago, uh, I played a lot of World of Warcraft. Okay. And I met my friend... I guess one in particular who's really stuck around this whole time, uh, Sean, who lived in Massachusetts and now lives in in New Hampshire. Yeah. uh, And we became...
0: Are you in the same guild, or,
1: or? We were in the same guild at the time. I don't play WoW anymore, okay. but um, we we've. I know, gone, nothing, we,
0: I know nothing about it except for one of my close friends. It's, yeah, yeah. It, 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 he has a podcast about it and everything. Like oh, whole, cool!
1: Yeah, we here. used to run a podcast about other games that we played too. Like we uh, we had a podcast called uh, Into the Dark Zone. We ran it. I think it's like eighteen episodes uh, about the division uh, before it went to went to shit. Um, although now it's good again. Uh, yeah, we went from playing WoW and then uh, we almost like had a little break in our friendship for like two years because I quit WoW. And then we got together again to play Destiny and some other games that we've played subsequently. And and, uh, in fact, we used to work out together last year over Skype. Really? Yeah, we, we would try to synchronize this video together over Skype, and we would just, like, be two chubby guys jiggling away uh, <laughs> <laughs> over video chat. And it really helped. He's, he's a very good friend of mine. Um, it's now, important
0: to have that person to, to, absolutely. to yeah. hold your hand when you go to the, you know, when you're doing the workout stuff, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. I have one of those.
1: Oh, do you? Yeah. That's good. So, I finally bought my first car last week. Yeah. And... One of the first things I'm doing is I'm going to go down and hang out with Sean in person.
0: Oh, that's really cool.
1: Yeah. Um, I've also met other plan- people. You've got
0: that planned out already? Or?
1: Well, sort of. I mean, it's in the works. It's it's yeah. a matter of just figuring out timing because it's, it's like a week-long thing. You know, you got to right, of course, a full yeah. week for sure. Uh, I think probably August because I'll end up with some time off. Right. Um, wilder than that, I met a guy named Urio, which yeah. is Uriel. Uh, from Brazil playing Destiny three years ago we played together for a year became friends he asked if he could come visit me we'd never met in person I was like oh my god who's this person Uh, but Megan and I Megan is um, my wife uh, she agreed and so he because he's a very sweet guy he came for a week and a half um, almost two years ago now and then he decided to immigrate to Canada. He's, he went back for a year and saved his pennies. Um, and now he lives here.
0: That's so cool. That's
1: crazy, right? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's bananas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good friend of mine. I'm actually going to go see him on Saturday because he lives in Oakville. He's going to Sheridan.
0: Oh, that's that's really
1: cool. Yeah. Um, so 10 years is an interesting thing because there's all kinds of different points of healing and, and um, just dealing with addiction, dealing with mental health. Um, And today, uh, like, well, well, I've only been doing comedy for a year and four months.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that a bit.
1: Sure. Um, The way it relates to what we're talking about though, is that it's a very all consuming thing. Yeah. And I work full time on top of it and so I'm doing comedy full-time and working full-time and to be able to get up every day and do that every day is something I never thought that I would have but I have it
0: It's like you're basically out of the house at Eight o'clock or nine o'clock, yep. and then you're not in again until midnight or eleven.
1: Uh, actually, the way it works out is I go home because I'm done. I can start work at eight thirty. I finish at four thirty. I go home. Oh, that's nice. I have a nap. I say hi to my wife, and then I go and do a couple shows or show whatever, and then come back for about midnight and start it all over again. Wow. Yeah, and I go to school on the weekend too. I do Second City uh, sketch writing. Oh wow. Yeah.
0: How are you enjoying that? It's great. It's really fun. Just a different way to think about comedy, right? It
1: is. It's just another muscle. Yeah. And um, their method, their five-point structure method is really interesting. So, um, comedy has... Getting into comedy has been one of the greatest experiences of my adult life. Um, I talk a lot about... And you've seen it. Yeah. I talk a lot about my, my four gay parents. Because my mom has been with her partner since I was 8 years old, and my dad's been with his partner since I was 16. And our family's
0: pretty stable at this point. Are, oh. are your mom and dad, uh, like, they're, they're they're cool?
1: Oh, yeah. They're friends. That's very cool. We get together um, for Christmas and birthdays and all kinds of stuff. The
0: whole extended family.
1: Like the immediate family, yeah. yeah all I seven guess, yeah, of us. Him, yeah. yeah,
0: I guess that's immediate. Yeah.
1: It's all six of us, really, plus, plus, um, plus our my brother got married in uh, December and Megan and I are actually common law, but I just, I don't care. I just, right. I wear a ring and I, I go by that cause fiance sounds terrible. Um, yeah.
0: What, what made you take the step into comedy? Uh, I mean, you know, there's been some threads that you've mentioned throughout, throughout this conversation, mm-hmm. you know, where you've talked about, uh, you know, uh, standing in the front of the room and enjoying the feeling of creating laughter and enjoying that sort of that feeling like the, the, the feeling that it gave you, um, was that, did that draw you back? I mean, um, like the healthier version of that, obviously, or <laughs> like, what, not all what? of it's healthy. <laughs> no, there's, the, there's a, that's fucking totally true. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: so to, to hit your initial question, uh, I had a friend that I met playing video games who came up from Miami, another friend, um, in December of, I guess it would been 2016, and uh, it was the first snowfall, so nobody's doing anything, there's nothing going on really, except Yuck Yucks is still going. Right. So we went and we were, there were maybe 25 people there, which is really low turnout for Yuck Yucks. Um, and we watched these guys and I was like, wait a minute. I'm kind of funnier than some of these guys. It's <laughs> 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 terrible, terrible line of thinking. Uh and so I came away from that and I decided to write my first five minutes, because that's what you do. You write five minutes minutes—is is the initial I guess level that you're writing for. And so I wrote this bit about, you know, my parents and everything else. It was a little bit sing-songy. I have it recorded. It's terrible. Like I've watched it since, and it's just so bad. I got some laughs, but it was so bad. Um,
0: Turns out it's harder than you think.
1: Yeah, it's way harder than you think. And you're not as funny as those people initially anyway. And so... (laughs) um, But it's incredibly addictive. And so... um, I mean, recently for Crazy Eights, you had Michelle. Yeah. Who was, it was her first set first time. ever. And she won the night, which was great. Won, great yes. support. Yeah. And uh, she did a great job. I thought um, she was great. Yeah. Man, um,
0: you run a bunch of shows.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I run a few right now. Yeah. Oh, Quiplash is coming up.
0: That's SoCap?
1: Yeah. You got to come to Quiplash. And that's
0: the, that's the game, Quiplash, right? Yeah. Have you played it it before? I have. I like Flash. It's the
1: same thing, except for the eight people who make up the answers are comedians, and then the audience votes on those.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah, it's so good, and we're going to be streaming it on Twitch, in fact. I would rather be there in person, but... Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying for
0: people listening at home. Oh, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Go to the socap.ca and, uh, socap.ca and check listings. Yeah, um, absolutely. Quick sure. is great. I'm not sure. I co-host it up, with
1: Alan Shane Lewis. He is a wonderful man. We met, uh, about a year ago in comedy and, uh, get along super famously. Uh, so, uh, I guess other reasons why I've, I've gone into comedy. I have a really, I, I find the four gay parent thing is so unique that it's it was an easy way in because it's shocking for people as soon as I say
0: well they think you're doing a bit probably you know well I am doing a bit but it's based on real sure yeah
1: yeah yeah. Um, I find the best comedy is based on real events anyway
0: well there's truth right yeah
1: without fail every single person I tell that to goes what how is that even possible
0: well, <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you've all heard how it's possible. Um, I've had so many gay people come up to me after shows and go, "Thank you so much for this. This was so good." And I'm like, "Oh, it's great." Because they don't think it's. Uh, I've had a couple very conservative-looking people come up to me and go, "You know, that's pretty homophobic." And I'm like, "No, it's not. I am culturally gay. This is who we are, who and where we came from." And so I'm just exploring my truth
0: here. That's right. You've yeah. got some jumping off points and you, yeah, and you, uh, I'm making a hand gesture, which really doesn't work on a podcast. No, it doesn't work. Really no. Um, you know, you, you, uh, traverse the circumference of this area that you, uh, have dabbled into, you know? Yeah. 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 You go further out as my you, inhabited area. Yes. Concentric yeah. circles is what I'm thinking of. Yeah.
1: I'm trying to explore some of that drug stuff now. Um, with is that hard with comedy? Um, it's so far behind me now. It's because it's it's ultimately twelve years ago, yeah, or more. It's difficult. Um, however, I've got lots of stories. Like I I I have a new bit about no didn't have you ever fought a guy for pizza? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I smoke so much weed that I passed out. Um, Uh, after I called for pizza and the guy, uh, didn't come for like three hours. So I wake up to this and I lived in a frat house at the time. I wasn't a frat member. They just invite poor people to live there in the summer. Um, and so I wake up to this knock at the door. I go downstairs and there's the guy, you know, looking all nonchalant. And so I go, thanks. And I grab the pizza out of his hands and he goes, no, no, no. And I start to close the door. He goes, no, no, no. You know, it's money. And I'm like, dude, it's three hours late. And then I start to close the door again. He goes, no. And he starts grabbing the pizza and it turns and I punch through the pizza. Oh, wow. Basically wrapping the box around my fist like a power glove <laughs> from the 80s, you know, and the guy falls backwards over the <laughs> over the balcony. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. He was okay. He, he got up very quickly and, and started charging me again. So I kicked him off the thing again and then I slammed the door. Uh, turned around and there's the, the rest of the frat house just staring at me like what the fuck are you doing and then I look around the the, the entranceway and there's just pizza sprayed everywhere there's just like pepperoni and pineapple and uh, everything else uh, and they're like what the fuck are you doing man and I was like the guy was three hours late that's a free pizza and they say we ordered that pizza 20 minutes ago man oh shit <laughs> Yeah. so my guy just never showed up but,
0: but or, if, yeah. or if he did, yeah. he gave up. Exactly. Oh, man.
1: Yeah, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that I need to go through. I've got a lot of stories. So well, that's, that's, that's the benefit of, of starting, I guess, at age 36.
0: As far as comedy as therapy, do you, find, do you find that it's doing what you're asking of it at this point?
1: Doing what I'm asking of it Um, That's a good question Um, Yes and no I mean I'm never satisfied completely I'm very Like I get filled up by laughs And by doing well And by writing new stuff That that ultimately works out Um, But I'm never completely satisfied Like I always have a hunger for more Which I think is the addict as well
0: that's what I was just going to ask. Is that... Yeah. yeah is that... you try trying to fill that void again.
1: But I think it's ultimately, like, a healthy component... Sure. ...for a comedian. As far as where I'm at, um, I'm just happy to be invited to do as many shows as I do. And, yeah, sure, I leverage my own show a little bit to get spots, you know, sometimes. So that's all right. And it's pretty normal. And... Uh, but I've been... I think... Yeah, I... I I've been pretty well received by the community and I feel very supported by that community, even though there is that, like that element of, of there's a lot of booze around, there's a lot of drugs and everything else. Um, even though I'm clean and that's more rare, the people within have been very supportive, very, very welcoming for the most part. There's the odd ones who are just jackasses, but sure. Of course. Yeah. There's jackasses everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, exactly.
0: Are you happy with where you're at right now? And I don't mean, I don't mean, I'm ready to hang it up and retire or, or, or whatever. I, but I just mean, are you in a, are you in a place right now? You're, you said you you know, your family unit is going on. You've got a partner. Yeah. You know, um, you've got a, you've got a gig, you've got comedy, mm-hmm. uh, you're seeing a therapist, you're 10 years clean. Yep. That's a lot of boxes you're ticking.
1: Yeah, I feel really good about a lot of that stuff. You should. Um, I would like to have comedy take over as my main vocation and pay the bills. That would be the the um, ultimate goal. That way I can give up the, the day job and just do the passion. Yeah. Although that'll change it in ways that I'm, I just haven't experienced yet either. Of course. There will be some monotony that happens. Of course. Yeah. yeah. But I'm ready for that. I think it'd be really fun.
0: comedian producer Mike Payne sharing his very candid very heartfelt story my hope is that someone has heard this today and that light will go on letting you know that you are not alone I want to thank Mike I want to thank tri Tie Tonight and I want to thank you be well and stay safe <laughs> A Show of Strength is a movement where I try to encourage courage. You can support A Show of Strength by visiting our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash a show of strength. For as little as one dollar a month, you can join the movement and help make a difference advocating for mental health in the greater Toronto area and beyond. For questions, our social And to subscribe, rate, and review the various shows we produce, you can visit www.ashowofstrength.com.